welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host, my name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend, we watch an episode of the classic sitcom The Facts of Life, and then I hit record, we get to talking about the show and anything and everything else it might inspire us to discuss. My guest this week is James Brendlinger. Yes, returning to us again. I always love it when he is on the show. You can tell that he has been a teacher for a very long time because he brings such a studious professorial angle to the show, and I always enjoy it when he's here. Before we start, I do want to say, uh, listener Karen J., who is the one that told us that the show was available on the Roku channel, where they dropped seasons one to four. She just wrote to me a couple days ago saying that they have added seasons five and six. So for those who use the Roku channel, you now have a way to get the episodes on demand in addition to Daily Motion and Sony Crackle. Also, need to give a shout out to my new Patreon supporter, Michael B. Hey, Michael, how are you? Thank you so much. If you want to be like Michael and become a supporter of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash facethefactspod. And if you choose not to, honestly, that is perfectly okay also. I'm still going to be here, and I'm still making this damn show. Anywho, on to this week. James and I watched Season 4, Episode 9, called The Big Fight. And this was by his request. And the original air date was December 8th, 1982. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with James Brendlinger. James Brendlinger, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. This is my third episode. Uh, yes, you are You are fast becoming a Let's Face the Facts all-star. <laughs> I've heard other podcasts use that, and I'm like, oh, I need to start seeing that too. So uh, welcome. Glad to have you back and um we just watched season four episode nine um interesting it's called the big fight when you look it up online but on the dvd i noticed it says the academy two aka the big fight it's the sequel so it is and i mean it is unquestionably the second attempt to do this backdoor pilot thing with this academy it's so funny that it the, the network didn't pick it up the first time and that they would go to the time and expense to say really you sure you really you really yeah. sure you don't want this now why do you think that is what what made them give this a second chance um hmm i i honestly i think it's appealing i think it is way better than many shows that actually went to uh went to series and I think, if anything, this episode shows that in just the fact that they had worked together once before, I thought their chemistry was even better here. And uh, it, this episode felt even tighter than the last one. And I remember I liked the last one. Right. Yeah, they're, two, they're really two good episodes. I think um, one major difference is the first one had the girls from Facts of Life in it so much more. Oh, yeah. I mean, it felt like a Facts of Life episode. True. With this new group of guys introduced. Yes. I, my my feeling is that that didn't sell. Mm-hmm. And they said, show us an episode. Show us what it would be really like to have a Stone Military Academy TV oh. show. And so you just use a little bit at the beginning with the girls and Mrs. Garrett, a couple pop-ins by Natalie. Yeah. Sort of like the chance they gave Mrs. Garrett with 
the facts, facts of, of life. life. Yeah. You know, you send the Drummonds home and let her do her stuff and see how this works. Oh, that's And true. you're right about, I think there are lots of sitcoms from the early 80s I can think of that were not as good as this was. Ugh. I mean, no. fa- including the facts of life. Right, the this, beginning this, of the facts of life. <laughs> this very show that we're watching was yeah. a lousier pilot, backdoor and series yeah. pilot. Both of them were so... Oof. Charlotte Ray was just so engaging. She was. I think they, you know, they knew if you could just get the formula right around her, they don't have that adult in this. And we'll talk about David Aykroyd when you're ready. But yes. He's, we, he's no Edna Garrett. We, uh, no, he's he is no not. Garrett. No, I did make a note, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Uh, when we get there, um, so but uh, we are we are getting ahead of ourselves, and you I'm know sorry, it is critically important. We follow the format of this show, so James Brendlinger, give me that TV Guide elevator pitch, two sentence deal. Make sure it's not more than two sentences, or Matthew <laughs> Arder will criticize you in a future show. That is not a threat; that is a promise. What did we just watch? In order to impress his father and a girl. Alfred's going to enter a boxing match. Bingo. Period. Beautiful. That's what I got. That's exactly what it would be in the TV guide. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, it's, um, we, I mean, we're going to get into this as we go along, as we do my micro dissection, as I usually do. But it is, um, it is interesting to note that another main difference between this and the other pilot is that the other pilot sold us as it was a Jimmy Bayo show, that mm-hmm. Buzz was the focus and the others were the supporting cast to him. And I think maybe in that same conversation when they went, okay, we'll give you another chance, but the other kid is probably a better way in mm-hmm. than the shyster ex-criminal who's there against his will. Right. And and I think that was a good choice, don't you? I agree. Uh, John, Is it Navin? John P. Navin? Um, N-A-V-I-N? Yeah, I'm, I would say Nevin. John P. Nevin Jr. Jr. Do not confuse him with his father his now. dad. Uh, <laughs> he's so much more appealing than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, too, was a fan of Jennifer Slept Here, which uh, you I, mentioned in your sorry, Both you of us, yes. Show. That's, what I, that's what I recognize him from. And that didn't run for... that. I don't think that even ran two seasons. I, think I don't it, think, yeah. In like a season and a half, Something maybe. Something like that. Yeah. Um, that one, I mean, it was there for Ann Jillian, who was course, fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him, I remembered him kind of being a schlub. And I, I'll have to look up the show and watch again to see if maybe he was a schlub by then. I don't know. But here, yeah. he's, you know, an appealing kid. And what I like about his casting is he's a real boy. Yes. I mean, he's just real. If he yeah. walked into my classroom or I saw him at the mall or whatever... He's just a, a regular kid, and I yeah. liked that a lot. He didn't have that, like, Ricky Schroeder sheen to him, <laughs> you know, where Ricky Schroeder was an extraordinarily yeah. attractive child. Right. And that, in some cases, can be off-putting or at least unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to know what I thought towards the end of the episode in the boxing match? I watched that and went, that is my body. Hmm. That is the body that I had when I was 15 years yeah. old. And, and I think today that you wouldn't... That's not how that would be cast today. No, God. We'd be told how nerdy he is or he how unacceptable, Mongo. and then he'd be Mongo. He'd yeah, be Mo- they'd put a pair of glasses ripped. on Mongo, yeah. and they would do that. And uh, we'll get to Mongo in a little <laughs> bit. But, um, yeah, it's it's really, it's overall, I like it a lot, and I like the message of it. And uh, like I said, I think that the chemistry and the interactions of the cast, I think everyone feels uh, very at the top of their game. So yeah. 
once again, it's like, so they didn't pick it. They didn't like this version either. So then I get into my whole TV history thing. Okay. Which is Gimme. almost half of the cast are people that I think were well-respected and well-liked and networks and production companies just kept trying to find something that would work for them. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Peter Frechette. Mm-hmm. Who played? Uh, I'm sorry, he's the corporal. But what is his name? George. <laughs> yes, George? the the I called him the Dwight Schrute with the bugle of the Academy. Um, yes. <laughs> did you recognize him from Grease Two? I love him. In Grease he's one of my favorite parts of that, and then he was one of my favorite parts of this. They used him just enough. He wasn't irritating because he could have been the Roy. Mm. Although you like Roy, so uh, I I did first <laughs> appearance. Roy well, Roy has run his. You course. could quickly overuse yeah the, these attributes, but um. He's super appealing, and I felt like Eddie Deason, uh, who was not in the first episode, but they brought him in as the nerdy character in this one. Yes. It's another one. You saw him just peppered through things in the early 80s, and I think they just have this group, and they're like, it's pilot season. Let's put these guys together yeah. and see what they do. And I thought, for the most part, they really bonded and seemed like a real group that had been living in that room for a while when we joined them. Yeah. And I thought it was a good job. David Aykroyd. Uh, is it okay As to talk about David Aykroyd? Major Dorsey, yeah. First of all, I don't believe related to Dan Aykroyd no. because it's, it's spelled situation. differently. It's, oh, is it spelled differently? It's spelled it, yeah. David Aykroyd okay. is spelled A-C-K-R-O-Y-D. And Dan Aykroyd and his brother Peter, the Canadian SNL cast members, are A-Y-K-R-O-Y-D. Okay. Well, David Aykroyd, when I was real young, we watched Dallas from the first episode. Oh. And he was Gary Ewing. Was he? At the beginning of Dallas. See, I never watched Dallas, so this is new to me. Well, you just got to come over to my house. We're going to do a podcast of 14 seasons of Dallas as soon as we're done this Facts of Life thing. (laughs) But uh, he was the original Gary Ewing when Gary Ewing was like an alcoholic who had ditched his daughter Lucy at the ranch and never came back until this episode. And uh, when they made him a long-running character, they hired Ted Shackelford. Oh, Um, But I think he was another one who, like, he's appealing, he can act. Yeah. And, he, you know, here's a chance for him. But again, I, he had some moments where he was really reaching out to the kids, but didn't have that connection of when Charlotte Ray looks you in the eyes and, and tells you you're beautiful. Yeah. You know? yeah and I, you know what I think he was missing? The waver in his voice. <laughs> he should have said everything with that he waver. He should have talked like this. <laughs> but it is a hard, um, it is a hard uh, little tightrope back there because... Yeah, he didn't have that appeal or that warm fuzzy that Mrs. Garrett brings, but <laughs> he is the major, and he is not just an authority figure. He's a military authority right. figure. That's That would be a hard sell if you got a, a really mushy right. situation. And yeah. so I, I, I don't know what the remedy to that would be. So another thing that has stuck in my head for, oh my God, 40 years, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> however many years it has been, 37, Yeah, I... I had conflated this with Bates Academy. So in my head, this spinoff was about Bates Academy. I thought it was too. And it probably should have been. They'd already established that. They established some teachers and some students over there. They could have used it. Yeah. Why do you think they switched it to a military academy with a different name? Because I have a theory, but... I I do not have any particular thoughts on that. But I'm, I'm with you. It's like if you want to do a boy version of the Facts of Life... Bates was ready to go out right. of the box. But what do you think? And also with the Bates thing, you could continue bringing these characters. I mean, they could have stoned too. Some of these characters could have been brought over to Facts of Life. Oh, sure. If this didn't work. Yeah. And they chose not to. That's right. It, totally, yeah. I think the military thing, once you're going to make these uh, 
characters like John P. Navin's, Navin's character, whose name is Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. Alfred's dad is a general. And you're just creating these like male archetype things mm-hmm. um, that may maybe want to go ultra male with this um, military academy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why maybe. else you would change it. Why not just use Bates? But I thought the military yeah. thing was in... The other idea that I had was maybe this was a totally unrelated property. And someone said, if we... Tag this on to Facts of Life. Oh. My Military Academy hmm. sitcom might fly. Huh. And they'd already locked in all these, you know, this is the corporal and your dad's the general and so on. And it was easier to just, well, just make it a different school. But I'm disappointed that wasn't Bates. I would have liked that for continuity. Yeah. I don't think it's the latter that you stated because Jerry Mayer wrote it. Jerry Mayer wrote oh, the good. pilot okay, of so the Facts of Life. Up. He wrote mm-hmm. Different Stroke. I think he wrote both the Backdoor and Series Pilot. Okay. For Facts of Life. and um, Talented. So, yeah, I think this was just his <laughs> attempt to try to be like, I want that fucking Norman Lear. Uh, yeah. Norman right. Lear. I, it sh- I want it to be Norman Lear, Gary Marshall, Jerry Mayer. I mm. want those to be the three names. Well, I'm glad you looked up that because I wasn't aware of that. And I just thought, well, maybe it was just, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to repackage this as. Uh, yeah. And uh, to tag on to something you were saying earlier about the appealing cast. There, I don't know how much of this happens nowadays, but back in those days, actors could have quote unquote deals with networks where the network says, We like you, we want to yep. find something for you. And they will put them under contract. I think they'll pay them a little bit, or they'll they'll just set up that they will guarantee to put them in X amount of pilots. Yeah. Um, two good examples, and both NBCs. I th- you're clapping because you knew what I was going to go for. Who are you going to say? No, go ahead. I'm going to get to my Jamie Gertz thing that I throw in every time we talk. Oh, you love Jamie go Gertz. Ahead, right. go I was going to say George Clooney. Sure. George Clooney had a crap ton of sitcoms mm-hmm. that failed, including one called ER before right. the, the hour-long drama <laughs> ER that finally caught and made him famous. And by then, his hair was gray. I mean, think <laughs> of it. He Clooney put in his work. He got his chips he earned his stardom, man. And uh, another one is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. After SNL, which she did in 80, like 82 to 84. Day by Day. That's the one I remember. Yeah, which the was the spinoff ties from spin-off. Family Ties. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, same thing. It was like, that didn't work. And I feel like there was another one. And then finally, Seinfeld. They were right. like, we like the pilot, but you should have a girl in the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we already have this woman under contract. Right. Throw her in there and... Elaine Bennis was born. The guy who was playing Hank, I don't know his name, but Hank and this Stone Military Academy crew. So yeah, Ben Marley is the ben actor's Marley. name. So on Square Pegs, he was Sarah Jessica Parker's like ideal man. Who oh. He was a senior and she was a freshman and she just wanted one kiss and, yeah. and so on. But he was the dream. And he was just such a nice guy on that too. Um, which brings me to another problem. Uh, this is kind of a first season Facts of Life problem too is they didn't quite define who some of these guys are supposed to be character wise. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a nice guy. Like Hank is a nice guy and yeah. you make a couple remarks about him being super rich in one of the episodes in this one. Yeah. And he's a good looking guy. Like he's got that, but there's no oomph. There's no, like, what is he going to be about? Yeah. Ben Marley is a little like not a very expressive face. He's well, a, he's a pretty face, but there's not a lot going on there. One time, my mother said to me when I was a teenager, James, you are blandly attractive. 
Oh. And he is blandly attractive. Oh. You know, you are a very nice looking you young man. You are so way hotter than he is, James. <laughs> you are um, so way wicked totally hotter. Uh, but uh, I think that defining, that. Things, defining <laughs> some of these characters would have helped them a lot. And I would have picked up the show and it would have run for... I think seven seasons. Seven seasons? No. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, last no three would have been the... <laughs> <laughs> Pippa. They would have Pippa come <laughs> to the Academy. And, and, yeah, Pippa and They would Alex adopt a, a teen uh, child. And, and Cinnamon. Cinnamon could have popped in. And <laughs> that I would actually renew if the, if the oh, Stacey Q came on. If the would. Cinnamon show? Oh, my God. Yep. El DeBarge. <laughs> We've got everything. Um Okay, anyway. so let's actually we've been I've ruined your podcast, so just you yes, you have. You have ruined it, and I will never forgive you. What are you saying? So the thing begins uh with this poster at Stone Military Academy saying it is presenting a quote interbarracks boxing tournament sign up today. And it has three sign up sheets for the different weight levels, which is what, featherweight lightweight welterweight i think they were doing lightweight welterweight heavyweight but heavyweight that's right because i don't know they're teenagers maybe not yeah but no i think you're right heavyweight uh would have been in there anyway um as we pull out from this poster we see alfred last time we saw alfred he looked like he was about 11 years old we're not even a year later and he has definitely matured he's grown up uh he looks good uh he still looks like just you know your average joe but um, I was surprised when I rewatched Academy One or whatever the title of that episode is. Um, I was surprised how young and he just, it was like when Tootie was in the first season, you're just a little alarmed that he's mixing with these other people. Yeah, you're like, this, here, is, this he, is a child. He fits not in a, a little better now. Not even a tween, yeah. And so we learn that Alfred is on the phone with Natalie from The Facts of Life. And it cuts back to her and she is in the parlor Curiously, Alfred says to Natalie, I want to take our relationship to the next logical step. Would you like to see me in a tournament? Uh, we have to pause for a moment and be like, there was no relationship. But he thought there was. In the last episode, she kept sending him to go get her punch. That's right. And he kept bragging to the other guys about You're his right. relationship. You, you know what? You're right. I forgot so about that. So he thinks there was. But and of I all like... of them, they connected the least. Oh, sure. I she says, oh, on. yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember we talked about lizards in Venezuela, and they did talk about lizards in Venezuela. All the other guys were trying to get their dates out to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And when Natalie and Alfred come walking back into that military dance in the last episode, he is telling her about a Venezuelan lizard. Oh, that is, so okay, that is I didn't perfect, remember that. Perfect continuity. Wow. Yep. Look, a little callback. Good for <laughs> them. Anyhow, um, Natalie's like, okay, let me think about it. And she covers the phone, and they're like, what? And Mrs. Garrett... <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that Alfred from Stone Military Academy? <laughs> You'll remember him from a previous episode. Exactly. I almost did an Edna Garrett voice there. That's the closest I will ever get. Oh, so I was when you do your montage, you can use that. I'll use yours, okay. <laughs> oh, I remember his friend George and Hank and Chip and, oh, there was... Buzz! I just punched, made the punching movement. Oh my goodness. But uh, Natalie's like, well, he wants me to come up and watch him in a boxing tournament. And Blair says, of course you're going. And Natalie says, really? And she says, 300 handsome cadets and just one you? And Natalie's like, fuck yeah, I'm going. (laughs) Now they've had this whole conversation with her hand barely over the phone receiver. Oh yeah. So he's hearing every word and dying inside. (laughs) 
but and here's the funny thing um a little party wants to be three she says 300 handsome cadets i'm like okay at that dance did it look like Stone was bigger or smaller than Eastland? Yeah, there were exactly six men and there were exactly five women at that dance. Does this indicate maybe <laughs> the size of the student body at Eastland? Because we are careening towards the end of season four. And I know yeah. we're never going to find out, but there's still a tiny part of me that hopes there's going to be some little clue that I'm going to be, ah, ah, I missed it there. So for my... For my scholarly writings about Facts of Life, I have decided uh -huh. that what is whatever is true about the Westlake School for Girls where they did their research to do that first season oh. is true about Eastland. I have not looked up what the actual numbers are, but I'm telling you... You think is, so? That is what they had in mind, was the okay. Westlake School for Girls. Well, your homework is you have to look that All up right. and tell me what it we'll is. We'll find out. I would do it, but I don't feel <laughs> like it. Um, and then at the very... Uh, the scene is capped off with... Natalie's saying, well, as long as you promise you won't get hurt. And he says, ah, uh, you're talking to a seasoned gladiator here. <laughs> it's like, bless, bless. Um, but interesting how the first time we met Jimmy Bayo was on that same phone. That yep. whole idea of, okay, if you want any question that he is the central focal character <laughs> now, he's on the phone, guys. Right? He's, yeah. he's the one. <laughs> so then we go to presumably the next morning. And everyone is asleep in their barracks, and it's the same band of knuckleheads. We hear the trumpet playing, what is it called? Reveille? Is that what it's called? Yes. I also want to mention that barracks looks an awful lot like like Tumpy's dorm room from Eastland in the first season. I was trying to decide, is that the Tumpy corner oh and, uh, it may just be some of the flats were reused because tumpy did not have a window and they did have a window true uh, to be fair but tumpy had pot which is <laughs> i think a well, better keep, keep checking jimmy bayo's rifle it may be in there somewhere. <laughs> oh my god who knows yes. what'll fall out next yes <laughs> so um what happens is none of them wakes up and then in comes George. George, we already have established, is the bugle blower. He had that in the last episode. So George comes in and starts playing it in the room, at which point, what, Jimmy Bayo wakes up. The others don't even... Right. They, they stir a little bit, but it's like this sort of, oh, <laughs> I guess it's... A, I mean, you would think it would be a horror of, Jesus fucking Christ, you know? But oh. apparently not. That's, that's sitcoms. And uh, in case you were not remembering his backstory, Jimmy Bayo says, oh, why did the judge send me here and not just let me go to prison? <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, okay, thank you for reminding us. Here's some exposition. Yeah. So um, they quickly changed the subject of Alfred fighting in this fight. And Hank, Hank is really sweet. And I think you're right. That's one of the ill-defined things of his character is that he is particularly sweet and supportive and empathetic towards Alfred to the point where we don't believe he could possibly be rich. He's right. too nice yeah, at first. He's just, there's not enough to that character. He has no flaws. Um, when he, uh, they, they encourage Alfred to, you know, show how powerful he is. And he, mm -hmm. he goes to make a muscle and Hank puts his hand on his arm and <laughs> says, okay, so flex. And uh, he means it. Like, he's yeah. not trying to be mean. He's not trying to make fun of another kid. He's, he just thinks you haven't started yet. Yeah. And there's this guileless thing about him. It's like, do you have any flaws or any character traits whatsoever except being super nice? Yeah. I'm and mad about it. 
and I think what's the fact is what's what's missing there is it's the show often works so much in archetypes. There is no archetype right. there. He's just a nice guy, and honestly, in a sitcom, a, a regular run of the mill nice guy is terribly uninteresting. So Chip, Chip. the um, sole black character, yes, because Tootie doesn't even get to come over to the is school. Is that soul S O L E or <laughs> soul S O U L as in train? His mother was indeed a soul singer. It's true. They don't touch that subject in this episode either. So mm-hmm. he's left with a new character trait. It reminded me of the Molly thing in the first season where they kept trying to find a character <gasps> yes. trait for Molly. Yes. So last time he's the son of a famous singer mm-hmm. who is apparently a very boring singer in Tootie's opinion. Estimation. Um, yes. And he's always wanted someone to like him just for him because once people know who his mom is, they treat him differently. And he sort of wins that one because when she doesn't like his mom's music, her next line is, tell me about you. And they Mm -hmm. walk off together and he's had, you know, a minor victory with a girl. Yeah. In this one, his thing is apparently patriotism. Like he comes in the door talking about how, I don't know, how great it is to be American or something. Yeah. I forget what his exact line is. Well, the thing is, he's already up. There's an empty bed in the room. He's already up in full uniform holding his gun. Which is still shocking, <laughs> really. <clears throat> um, and basically, he's just, uh, I'm not sure if it, it was it patriotism or just, I love school. I love being I here. I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning or whatever. And that you was know? pretty much his, well, even that would have added some humor to it. But instead, <laughs> it was like, I just really love what we're doing here at military school. And now yeah, that's his character. Like it and, yeah. So now half the kids who stay in this room don't really have any character traits to build off of. Yeah. One of the things about are we going to pick up this pilot is quickly tell me 12 episodes that you can have. Like what's going to happen in these 12 episodes? Yeah. It would be hard to guess. Yeah. Alfred's got stuff going on with his dad and wanting to impress his dad. And, um, you know, I guess you could do a couple more episodes about that. But there's not a whole lot to grab onto. Yeah. I no, guess I... that Jimmy Bayo's character could have problems with his probation or something. And Yeah. You know. And the conflict between... The well, originally it was Jimmy Bayo and George, George being the suck up and trying to get them in trouble, and usually just trying to make himself look. He's trying to elevate himself yeah. in Major Dorsey's eyes and all that. But yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you that we we did lose a little bit something there. Um, they're all like, Are "You sure you want to do this fight?" And he's like, "Yep." And Alfred even says, "My uh, my girl Natalie is coming, <laughs> and so is my dad. You know, my dad, the general." who was a champion boxer when he went to West Point. Yeah, him. Um, And he says, my dad always says, what good is having the highest IQ in the state if you can't dare some loudmouth to knock a flashlight battery off of your shoulder? (laughs) Do you get that reference, James? No. (gasps) You don't. What is that from? That is from, uh, I believe it's EverReady Batteries. The Duracell was the copper top. I think it was EverReady. Uh, was it William Conrad? Wow. It was a very, one of those, you know, butch, you know, like a Kirk Douglas type character, but, you know, younger. Yeah. And he would put a battery on his shoulder. Wow. And the idea was, it's, you know, the statistics show these batteries are as good, or if not better, than the other brands. So don't knock it. And I thought that was the most random line I'd ever heard in a sitcom when they said it. No, it was a I'm commercial. usually quick with my commercials from the 70s and 80s. I'm shocked. Yeah, and his you know, and the slogan up. was he would say, and he I think he said something to the effect of "Go ahead, I dare you." Wow. So it was like knock this battery off my shoulder, <laughs> and I will kick the shit out of you. <laughs> I. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it was a reference. I could have the brand wrong, and I could even have the actor wrong, but I think I'm right. Well, I hope it's Robert Conrad. <laughs> it fits. I did say Robert Conrad, right? Not William Conrad. I'm not sure what you said, but it could have been I meant Robert Conrad. William Conrad is canon in the wheelchair. That's not... (laughs) I dare you. I dare you. What? I'll kick your wheelchair over. (laughs) But, um... uh, Okay. So, next scene. Uh, So, do you have anything else in that scene that you wish to... The funniest line in the whole whole episode Uh got zero laughs, and it was... It was when Peter Frechette says... I could be off polishing my bugle. Oh. And he turns to leave and not one. They probably were not allowed to turn that into innuendo, but it yeah. was actually very funny. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and we do have to say one other thing. There is a poster in the oh, back yeah. that both you and I yep. coveted. It is a multicolor rainbow rendering of a Nikon camera. I looked it up and I found the image online. I'll post it on the website. It is Anne Ladden is what it says so i presume that's the yeah um i assume that's the photographer but it's beautiful it's a striking image and i'm like i would hang that in my office uh yeah so that's uh, pretty much all for that scene we move on to the next scene it's about three to four days later and uh there's exercise equipment everywhere in the room uh alfred is trying to prepare and this is where we do get the line about Hank, where Hank says, I, I know something about boxing. I can help train you. And Buzz says, what does a rich boy know about boxing? And Hank says, our mansion was in a very rough neighborhood. <laughs> I like that line, but that was literally the only thing mm-hmm. that's um, there. Yeah. Anyhow, um, he's encouraging him with exercising food and uh, diet and advice. All of them are. This is where they're... Their support and their interactions, I think, are really showing nicely. Yeah, and and continues throughout the episode. Do you have anything else? That scene was fairly I utilitarian. I think that's the scene where the Big Macs come out of the bag, isn't it? They have uh, one oh, of the oh. scenes. They're working on his diet, and you need yeah. carbs, and you're going to eat this spaghetti, and you're going to eat these Big Macs, and the Big Macs come out in these giant, oversized styrofoam boxes, yes! which I had forgotten about. That is how we ate Big Macs back yep, in the day. That's true. Before. Giant styrofoam boxes. They were, yeah. And they're still in the landfills all across <laughs> the country. One, you can just go get one. If you, want, if you want to see one, that's what we recommend you do. But yes, that was part of the, the food and diet and other uh, training, uh, encouragement and support the boys were giving him. Next scene, we're in the gym. And we now meet uh, this new character that I think they were thinking was going to be a regular part of the show. The nurse, I guess she's the nurse of the school, um, and it's they call her Nurse Burton. Her name is Barbara Burton, is the so character. So we met, uh, I'm sorry, we didn't meet her before, but in the first Academy episode, when he has uh, Hank has hurt his leg, he mentions that he met the nurse and she's super hot. So I don't know if it's meant to be the same nurse oh. or not. We would have to go back and check if he gives her a name back then. But he has already mentioned there's a super hot nurse at the school, and he didn't mind that he hurt his leg because he got wow. to meet the nurse. 
And now in this episode, we meet her, and she is played by Barbara Stock. Who is super hot. I'm in love with Barbara Stock. Everyone should be. She was on Dallas also. I was just going to say, she was Dallas. She was one and... of Cliff's girlfriends. I don't know why anybody dated Cliff, if you watched the show, but uh, <laughs> she spent a whole thankless season as Cliff's girlfriend, but she was on Spencer for Hire, too, if you watched I, that. I also had that there. That was a big deal because that was Beautiful. filmed in Boston when I was in high school. But the, the disturbing part of this scene is... Uh, Jimmy Bayo flirts with her. Hard. Hard <laughs> and way inappropriately. He walks up to her and says, Lieutenant Barton, I haven't seen you since last night. And she says, what are you talking about? And he says, can't, well, you can't... stop me from dreaming. No, <laughs> exactly. I'm 16 years old and ready to party. Exactly. And something, and she's, and she kind of is like, okay, stop. And she's like, uh, you know, the other kids around here, uh, there are boys. It's like, let me know when you're ready for a man. So he's he's playing up this. I'm a man, and these are boys, and so and it's like, first of all, she uh, he calls her Lieutenant Barton, so she is a superior Actual officer, yeah. actively in the military. You would not talk to her uh, if if it was a man. Well, you wouldn't talk to him anyway. That in 1982, way, but... there was nothing funnier than sexual harassment and uh, sexism. I tell Hilarious. you, Hilarious. those were the days. Right. Oh. Um. So uh, that's disturbing. And if they were planning to continue that, ew. But oh. um, just throwing that out there. And then this is where we meet. Uh, they do reference Grusky earlier as, oh, you'll probably have to fight Grusky. Grusky, he can't even pick up his school books or something. <laughs> well, this is where we meet Grusky. And as you said, it was Eddie Deason. Everybody knows Eddie Deason because he was Eugene in Greece. And Greece too, with Peter Frechette. And uh, he was in Zapped and War Games and Punky Brewster. Zapped. Now, here's the funny thing. Two things one would presume or assume he had been involved with, and he's not. Number one, Revenge of the Nerds. He is, he yeah. is the quintessential uh, like alpha nerd as an actor for the 80s. Like if, there, sure. if you needed to cast a nerd, you would cast him. And yet he was not in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. And then the other sort of uh, next subset of Revenge of the Nerds that you would think he would have been involved with, the police academies. Mm -hmm. Couldn't you see him as a bumbling, yeah. dorky cop? Really struck me in this. They actually gave his character some humanity, and he was a little heartbreaking. <laughs> a little as, as Eugene, he's, <laughs> he's not written with fondness or with... Much humanity Dimension. at all. No, he's no. someone that you're allowed to make fun of because he's yeah. got no humanity. Yeah. And on this, like, he's really a caring person, very sweet, and he had a lot of lines that were like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> bless. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's the character. You just go, oh, bless. Yeah. But, um, uh, and he also has sustained his career to this day doing a lot of voiceover work. He does mm. a lot of cartoons and stuff. So, bravo, Eddie D's, and still working. Um, so then we meet this. A uh, new kid in school, and George introduces and brings him in. It's this kid named, uh, is it Michael <laughs> Moran? But his nickname is Mongo. <laughs> and if how old is that actor? Is that... He, you know what? In the close-ups, I was noticing his skin. I was like, okay, yeah, he is a, he is certainly under twenty. But because he is so built and so muscular. He comes in and you're like, okay, that is a 35-year-old. <laughs> I loved him when he was Carmine on Laverne and Shirley. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow. But he is, um, the nickname Mongo won 
could imagine is a reference to Blazing Saddles, which is the Alex Karras character where he is literally a brainless, brawny, all he does is hit things. He's the one that punches the horse for anyone who isn't familiar (laughs) with Blazing Saddles. And that is the character in a nutshell. And uh, it's so the fact that they stole this nickname because he is also supposedly this hitting, punching, boxing machine. And when they do, um, oh, and, and the actor playing him, his name is Bill Galligan. Bill Galligan. William yes. Galligan. <laughs> a nice Irish name. And he looks as Italian as right. Danny <laughs> as Danny DeVito or Tony Danza. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, he only has, uh, he, he, I think he appeared here and then he had like a TV movie in 1990 and that's it. Like he didn't mm. stick around with the acting thing. Um, when... They do say he's like a fighting machine and he starts and punching. Not quite the right form, a valiant effort. He's doing a lot of punching down. He's doing a lot of punching and making arm movements down towards the floor. I'm demonstrating uh, to my fives of listeners. James is getting a hell of a show here as I am demonstrating him doing the punching down movements. Because so much of boxing is connecting and hitting your opponent in the face or upper body so typically your punches are kind of horizontal not diagonal and um but honestly he is so built you believed it and then when in turn alfred kind of tried to mimic it you're like oh that's just sad (laughs) it's gonna get sadder that's gonna get sadder but um uh so at this point, earlier on, Buzz had been talking about laying some bets, thinking, okay, wait a minute. If Alfred is in the lightweight class, is it? Yeah, they felt that if he stayed in the same class with Eddie Deason, he could beat him. Yeah, he would that probably end goal. up with Grusky. And yeah, yeah so he would. Then he probably so, would have beat him. And Oh, God, he would have, yes. So Buzz was thinking of taking some bets because Bud is such a no good Nick and always scheming that buzz and then um there's more talk of oh well now with this mongo whoever that mongo kid fights this that kid is dead meat too bad we can't do more gambling and set things up with that at which point the <laughs> uh, door opens up and an actor credited as cadet number one pops his head in and says major dorsey telephone call and then walks out who is that actor james it's Crispin Glover. It is <laughs> credited. It's like the third thing in his IMDb credits. So this is 82, three years before Back to the Future would catapult and then ultimately destroy his career. But um, yeah, it is so weird when you see that name flow by in the credits and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And then you go back and you're like, holy shit, is. that is him. So always lovely to see that. And he was he's the one that was in Charlie's Angels, right? Yes. He, he was that was, he was really good. I he thought, was in Charlie's Angels. And that was kind of like a little bit of a comeback. Mm-hmm. And in his early days, I always would confuse him with Matthew Modine, because I feel like oh. they're very similar uh, types. So then the next scene is Major Dorsey on the phone, which we had before, and Major Dorsey is on the phone with the general, Alfred's dad. And basically, long and short of it is, Alfred's dad is not coming to see Alfred fight. Mm. And Major Dorsey knows that is going to crush Alfred. 
And he says, sir, you know, this is the fourth thing of his that you've missed. And then he has to pause and say, yes, I, I'm aware of the difference in our ranks. And it's like, yeah, you wouldn't say that to a general <laughs> at all. And then he says, well, why don't you tell him yourself? Why do I have to? I'll go get him. And then he's like, well, maybe you could call him back when you're not too busy. And they hang up the phone. So it's like, oh. So then we go to back to the gym, and it's weigh-in time. <laughs> and Alfred and all of his training has unfortunately caused him to gain, <laughs> one would figure, some muscle weight, some muscle mass. And he now is over, he's at 140 pounds, when before he was 132. Well, that officially makes him a welterweight. And at that point, that's where Major Dorsey says, well, the only kid in welterweight who is not matched up with somebody and needs a fighting partner is Mongo. And the audience <laughs> response is off the chain. They are so... Yep. I don't know if they're being fed, but they, it sounds real, <laughs> yeah. but they're all like, Ooh. And then when it, like he, he has the realization, the applause, that ain't the clap track. They're really applauding. Right. So it's like, wow. Well, not a bad moment. Yeah. And so with that, we go to commercial. Um, so then we come back from commercial. We learn the fight is in an hour. Wow, they, they really open the house late for these theatrical <laughs> events because it is, uh, it's a lot of things seem to happen that would take more or less of an hour. And yet the gym is empty where the boxing match is about to take place. So the guys are all putting their heads together. Does Mongo have a weakness? Is there something we could do? Didn't lose any weight. Well, I told you that all night steam bath wouldn't work. <laughs> and then Natalie comes in. Natalie comes in to applause. Huge applause. Like, Fonzie like, level applause. I, get out of my brain. Yeah. I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh my God. Fonzie level applause. Yes. So um, lending again to the whole sense that this is its own show. It's not an episode of the Facts yeah. of Life. It is its own it was show. just like that if Willis or Arnold would show up. Oh yeah, totally. It's yes. Just, we're going to stop everything to applaud for this character that... Yes. You know, we saw a few minutes ago in this case. Like yeah. Ten minutes ago she was on screen. True that. <laughs> so true. So knowing that he is going to get pummeled, Alfred says to Natalie, you know, you really, thanks for coming, but you don't have to watch, like really watch, <laughs> watch it. And she's like, oh, no, I'm going to do an article for the school paper because people at our school love reading about <laughs> other schools. <laughs> Since I boosted the circulation with my abortion story. Right. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, That's all she's allowed to write about anymore. It's just like exactly. sporting events far, far away. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mongo shows up, at which point she's like, I think there's kind of like a, wow. Like Natalie has uh, a reaction where you're like, you know that she probably wanted to be more Tex Avery and uh, about it. And I kind of wish she had. But she is respectful of Alfred, who seems to think that she is his girlfriend. Mm. So she says, aren't you scared? And he's like, am I scared? Yeah, yeah, I'm scared. And then she says, why don't you just not fight him? And he says, no, my father is not flying 300 miles to see me lose. I'm following in his footsteps. So then we go back to training time. And the other three are like, you cannot do this. No. Um, we, we start in the locker room and then we end up in the gym. And it's a good moment to uh, note that 
Every time we've been in this gym, the amount of extras and the activity is off the charts. Yeah. They spend a couple bucks on oh. this. And everybody, most people are just doing weights. It's all like weights and weights and weights. Interesting. One thing that is not going on in this gym, boxing. Right. <laughs> Even though there's a tournament coming up, no one is practicing the actual sport of boxing, including Alfred. It's like at no point do you, you know, have him just punching into <clears throat> punching into people's hands or there's nobody up at the um what is the hanging teardroppy the punching bag. <laughs> punching bag. There it is. <laughs> I am such a girl. Oh, I'm such a theater nerd. And then Major Dorsey shows up and says, Alfred, we need to talk. So they go into the barracks. And that's when he basically says, your dad's not coming. And Alfred is crushed. He says he missed the science fair. He missed the Christmas show. And so Major Dorsey says, so are you still going to fight? And he says, yes, I can't stop now. My girl is here. Um, and he says something about, I'm not chickening out. And this is the anti-Mrs. Garrett moment that we get with Major Dorsey, where he says, if you don't fight, it's not chickening out. It's making your own decisions. And it's really kind of blunt and harsh and non-nurturing in any way, shape, right. or form. Uh, that's yeah, the I... show would have lacked for that. And I'm not sure um, the nurse would have been able to provide. I, I was just going to say that. Her, Maybe that yeah. would have been her role. But Maybe. But yeah. but I think she's more the Jenny Mahoney of this story. Is that I... that character's name? I mean, the, the actress's name? Um Oh, no, it's Miss Mahoney. Miss Mahoney played by Jenny O'Hara. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wrong Irish uh, name there. Right. (laughs) Um, I was thinking she was going to be more like the Pamela Anderson or the... Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson, yeah. Yeah. But Lonnie Anderson was smart. Right. Uh, And I I think that this character probably was smart, too. Yeah. They just didn't give her much to work with. Yeah. But that's it. They weren't treating her like she was clueless as to what was going on. Yeah, she still would have been treated as an object. Right. That would have been bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we go on to the fight. Finally, they've opened the house, (laughs) which is, (laughs) it's it's been an hour here. Um, And they start the scene with one kid being with his arms held up like he's just won the fight. And in front of him, you see two other kids picking up Grusky, <laughs> who is literally crossed eyes. And he's like, did I win? <laughs> he's so sweet. Oh. Natalie is begging him not to go through with it as Alfred is entering the room and then the ring. And then as Mongo enters the ring, the other boys sort of help him out and they try one last ditch effort. And they say... Uh, are you in that tough physics class with that Mr. Brendlinger? I don't know what the name is. I'm using your name. That's a fictionalization. Resnick. Resnick? I think it was Resnick. Are you in Resnick's physics class? <laughs> Nobody gets higher than a D in that unless they've been tutored by Alfred. You really don't want to get on his bad side. <laughs> you may not want to rip his head off is actually what they say. Hank says, if it were me, I would want to make him look good. And Jimmy Bayo in Buzz says, if it were me, I'd take a dive. <laughs> I think take a dive is a funny, <laughs> funny phrase. Um, interesting that they didn't box with any head guards. Did head guards not exist back then? They may not have. Maybe not at that level. They had mouth guards to protect their teeth. But I it's will like... say, when he put the mouth guard in, John Navin went back to looking like he was about 11 years old. Yes. I just, <laughs> he did not look like he should be fighting anybody. No, certainly not a 35-year-old <laughs> Irish Italian guy. Yeah. Um, so the fight starts, and um, 
Alfred tries to fake some fancy footwork. <laughs> Not much in there. And then um, what happens is it is clear that Mongo is not really, his heart's not really into it. He's, he is the, the ploy on the part of the guys to get him to go easy on him is working. Unfortunately, Alfred does land a good punch. Speaking of, you know, the, the performance of Hank versus the performance of Mongo. Mongo, you see him get hit and you see him in his eyes. You say, oh, you fucking do not get away with that. <laughs> He said everything he needed to, and he goes back, clocks Alfred, lays him out, matches over, Mongo's the winner, and uh, to the surprise of nobody. But he gets up. He's not really hurt. Natalie's like, oh, my God, and he's looking around. Natalie, Natalie, like he can't find her, and it was really cute. And then at the end of the match, Mongo comes up to Alfred saying, hey, uh, you're okay, right? No hard feelings. And Alfred's like, oh yeah, sure, we're fine. He's like, okay, <laughs> see you in physics class. <laughs> so we know where what he was going for. And then at the end, it's uh, to Natalie. He says, it's okay. You win some, you lose some. And Natalie says, I still think you were crazy for doing this. You didn't have to do this for me. And now the moral of the episode. <laughs> Do you want to repeat what he said, James? Do you remember? Well, it was lengthy, but the, he didn't do it for her. He didn't do it for his father. Mm-hmm. He did it for himself. Mm-hmm. Which I actually thought, as cheesy as it is, he delivered it well. Like he got, you know, he got I think so. It and... Absolutely. And then the the tag, the final joke of the episode is Major Dorsey says, "Yes, you've proved that you're your own man." And then he says, yes. And I've also proved that I never have to do that again. And then he and Natalie turn around arm in arm and start to leave as we quick freeze frame roll credits. I think I'm right that we will never see him on the show again. No, he's gone. This was it. I looked at and the others also to see if there were uh, more than two appearances. But I mean, it was nice to see the gang back together. It was a good it was a good try, a good second attempt and, uh, and I like it because I think the message was right. I think the message was spot on. I think there was also a theme there of our parents don't know us. Um, oh, the, uh, that's deep. Yeah, the conversation on the phone with the dad, which was very exposition heavy. But, um, you know, this guy is dealing with teenage boys and his dad is letting his son down. And that was he knew that was a big deal. And um, Jimmy Bayo's character makes an offhand remark about, yeah, it's easier with my dad. He just watches TV and drinks. Yeah, um, you're and right. Then, you know, you have the son of this superstar singer who's away at boarding school 3,000 miles away from his mother and stuff like that. So I think that there's could have been a lot to say there about what do you do when your parents just aren't, don't know you. They're not there for you. Yeah. And I think there could be some deeper stuff there. And really, like, they're up to it. Like, I think these actors are up to that. Maybe the script wasn't totally there, but... yeah. Um, the hurt in John Navin's eyes when he finds out his dad's not coming and decides, well, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, that was good acting. Like, there was good acting throughout yeah. the show, I thought. Yeah, no, they were all really Maybe good. Maybe even better than some some of the regular episodes of the regular cast. I really thought they were all in it. Like, they were I really agree. working with the material they were given. So, you've been down this road with me before, James. Do you have yet another commercial from your childhood that you can think of as we end this on the... Happy note. So you can do what you want to do with this, but 
I loved all of the McDonaldland character commercials, <gasps> the original. Yeah, I was upset. The older we got, the more they disappeared. The professor, who I think, did he have to do with fillet of fish? There was a professor. Yeah. There was Big Mac. There, there was, was Mayor um, McCheese. Mayor McCheese. And I think part of that was, I think the Crofts, uh, Sid and Marty Crofts, sued them because they looked so much like the characters from... Um, H.R. Puffin H. stuff. H.R. Puffin stuff. Yes. Especially uh, the burger-headed right. ones. So I think that's why they went away. Uh, yeah. Hamburglar stayed around and Grimace and so on. The but, Fries guys um, were later additions. I would have watched a Saturday morning show that just took place in McDonaldland happily if oh. there had been one. Like, How did they never do yeah, that? Yeah, they just missed a huge opportunity. Probably because of the Crofts. The Crofts probably would have really like stamped on with that Yeah. That's but, true. Uh, I loved those. Oh, yeah. I can't um, remember what commercials I picked in the past because my real favorite commercial from back then is Peter Comes Home for Christmas for Folger's Coffee. Oh, with which his, we did. We, did we, we do we that one? We posted that yeah, one. Yeah. That, that is my favorite of, yes. of the 70s. Um, yeah. Do you remember the song, the Ronald McDonald theme song? There were several of them. When I remember it's like, big Mac filet of fish, quarter pound of French fries, icy Coke, Coke thick shake, Sundays and apple pies. That came later. And then there was I'm thinking of what's on a Big Mac. There's um, do all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Um, but no, there was the like, who's the McFunniest fellow in town? Oh, who's okay. the dun, 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 You know my hamburger shakes and fries, filet of fish and apple pies. I uh, fragments are yeah. only in there. I can't mm-hmm. find it. That's really beautiful, but the the Max Tonight uh, commercials. That's probably another year or two from where we're at in the series. Uh, but the the Big Mac commercials with um, Ray Charles as the Moon. Oh, singing. I think they were staying open late, and that was what the theme of the commercials was. But um, yeah, those were great too. He would sing like Mac, he would sing Mac the Knife, but with new lyrics. I don't remember done. that one. Oh, I need well, to look it look up. Look it up. He's a little disturbing. It's a kind of uh, he, it's. It's a giant moon that has Ray Charles's face and voice. Um, on International Drive, the largest McDonald's in the world, which I mm-hmm. think they totally redid now. Maybe it's not the largest anymore. I think it still is. It yeah. had a full-size piano with an animatronic of Mac Tonight playing upstairs. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. Wow. But he, he was also a little disturbing. Like, you wouldn't want to wake up to that, I think. <laughs> Maybe you would. I don't know. I don't want to judge. Uh I have another question before we go. Please. What episode that you haven't covered yet are you mm. most looking forward to in the next five seasons that you've got to go? Uh, right now, I cannot wait for Take My Finals, Please. And is that in this season? That is coming up at the end of this season. Okay. And, uh, and it is not the graduation episode. No, that's the one that immediately precedes it. Okay. The episode I'm most looking forward to right now, which is... One of the worst episodes, in my opinion, yeah. that's so offensive to me, is the reunion episode where <gasps> the, the other girls keep The little chill. As they talk as if Joe did not go to school with them for several years. <laughs> well, you weren't there, Joe. You wouldn't know. I'm like, literally, we have video evidence that she was there for everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know if I'll be able to be assigned to that one. That may be a celebrity episode, but that is the one that comes up that the I know is coming chill? up okay. that I have the most to say about. That I am holding inside right now because <laughs> we've already talked long enough about this. Oh, well, thank you. I always enjoy having you here, James. Thank you for it's inviting always me back. fun. While we're at this moment, I actually brought a gift for you, which I I have concealed here. In what my, in my garment? What and it is? Whip it out. What have you concealed? This is, this is a. It's a little bit of a regifting. If the person who gave it to me is listening, David just has to have these. These are the. Um, 
Facts of Life wine glass charms. You can dangle from your wine glass so you won't accidentally drink after any of your friends. And you can assign your friends to be different characters. So no, for way. instance, I would I would want to be Natalie, and you could be James, whoever's these are, left. Uh, these are all images from like the videos <laughs> with the with the colored backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, these are so. Oh, and they're on pennies. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's pretty. The, ba- neat. the backs of them are pennies. Huh. So they they took the images and put them on pennies, Defaced and our then government's coinage, polyurethane. So. If nothing else, this is worth at least six cents. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I will post a picture. I didn't even know these existed. (gasps) I don't think they did. I think that is an Etsy Etsy item. Uh, Someone got them for me because they felt I had to have them, but I I have not yet uh, drunk alcohol, so I can't. I can't really use this for anything. Uh-huh. I've never gotten my Diet Coke mixed up with anybody else's I Diet Coke. Kn- well, I'm gonna st- I may start, you know who's going to really use these? Paul Padilla. <laughs> Paul likes his wine. Oh, well, when and, Facts uh, of Life Down Under comes up, you can uh, get the group together and do this. All right. Oh, thank you for that. That's so sweet. You are welcome. I appreciate that. These are precious. Not I am only so did you get a gift, but I returned the DVDs I borrowed a year and a half ago. Yes. You're welcome for that, too. That's right. Well, we have to find other reasons to have you return then, not <laughs> just because you. Uh, you need to give me stuff, <laughs> though I, I do happily accept it. So do come back. You will be back. I don't need to say that. I don't need you know you will be back. You are, like I said, you will be among the all-stars of this show. Thank you. And uh, I always enjoy it. So uh, hurry back soon, and I will see you, I'm sure, before the little chill. Thank you, David. Bye. And there you have it. That was James Brendlinger. Two things I wanted to point out before we go. One is that he talked about wanting the Eastland student body to match that of the Westlake School for Girls, which was the inspiration for the show. Well, at the moment, the Westlake School for Girls actually has merged with a school for boys. That happened in the late 80s. And at the moment, the student body is about 1,600. So can we assume the facts of life Eastland student body is 800? Is that appropriate? Does that make sense? I don't know. Need to think about it. And secondly, when we were talking about the EverReady battery commercials with uh, Robert Conrad and I got him confused with William Conrad, I then got confused again where I mentioned that William Conrad was canon in the wheelchair. Canon was not the 1970s TV detective in the wheelchair. He was the one who just was a detective. The one in the wheelchair was, of course, Raymond Burr playing Ironside. And uh, Raymond Burr, of course, previously had been Perry Mason. So that was my bad little oops. Not really shows I watched. I was a little too young. Anyway, next week, I'm going to be watching season four, episode 10. It's called For the Asking. And my very special guest is going to be super funny lady, actress, improviser, Uh, Happy Pink Girl and fellow podcaster, Sarah Hanchar. So that's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. 
And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. Let's face the facts.